I'm not a huge fan of free, to be honest. So, you know, free POCs and, and stuff like that. I mean, very rarely does that ever work out. Um, I think if you give stuff away, people don't really value it and, and put the right resources behind it. Welcome to Sales Pipe Pros Podcast. Here's your host, Mike Petrosian. All right, everyone. Welcome to Sales Pipe Pros. Today, my guest is a software sales crusher. He has been in the game for almost 20 years now. Uh, currently is a global head of sales for a large organization, and I am super excited to have him. Matt Thompson, welcome, my friend. Yes, Mike, thank you so much. Happy to be here uh, on this beautiful Friday and uh, winding down the week. It's been a great week. We had our sales kickoff in Napa this week and uh, got the troops rallied and fired up for 2020. Awesome, man. Love it. SKOs, man, I miss those. <laughs> got to make it happen. Super, super important, right? It's uh, you get focused, but also, you know, it's bonding and uh, selling still is a lot, a lot about relationships and it all starts with the team. So let's kick it off, man. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, 20 years now, ever since you came out of college, you just dove right into those big software companies. Tell me about how it all started for Matt Thompson and sales. Yeah. So I started out at Intel Corporation when Intel was still kind of cool back in 2000. Um, my background is computer science. So I actually have a technical background and, um, you know, it was like one of the best places to go work. I, I grew up around Intel. I went to school in Indiana, but I grew up in, in California nice. and just saw like how well the company was doing. And, you know, I was uh, friends with a lot of the execs kids and stuff like that. So my number one goal was to get back to California and Intel was, was a great place to start. Um, but it's a hardware company. Um, they obviously still make amazing uh, semiconductors. Uh, I had a great run there, did 10 or 11 years, and was fortunate enough uh, for the last five of those years to get to headquarters and see a lot of the executives that, that I looked up to that were going places. And, and pretty much every single one of them had done a run in sales. And so I was just thinking, man, I, I, my instinct kicked in and I was like, I got to get to sales somehow. Uh, a lot of the good seats were already taken at Intel, as you would expect when the company kind of moved into being more of like a cash cow type business. So started looking externally and fortunately uh, found my way to a Salesforce consulting company called Blue Wolf. And that's really where I cut my teeth in sales about uh, nine years ago. Was given an opportunity to, um, you know, initially just carry a bag in, in California, uh, take down some some uh, tech companies that are that were implementing Salesforce. So now everybody has Salesforce. But back then, a lot of companies still were using Oracle or SAP or in some cases, Microsoft. So it was still like a great time to go try to chase down some whales and to and to take down some some large business transformation. I learned a ton. Awesome. I was able to kind of get in and, and uh, eventually get to a player coach role. Uh, and start to to lead teams, and that's really kind of where I I started cutting my management chops uh, in the sales game, and uh, and yeah, just kind of been jumping around a little bit ever since uh, Blue Wolf got acquired by IBM. I went to another consulting company for a year, led a a team here in California, and then uh, jumped into the startup game. That's the last two places I've been, uh, building and and leading uh, enterprise sales teams in in. Uh, you know, both custom software and also uh, location and arrival technology. Um, I had managed teams at Intel since about three or four years in. So just instinctively, I, I wanted to kind of get back to leading teams, but I wanted to obviously prove myself first. Uh, Blue Wolf was still kind of like scrappy. It's not really a startup because it was a consulting company, but 
had that feel to it. When I joined, it was about 200 people. And when I left, it was about 500 plus. So uh, a lot of growth, um, but a lot of autonomy. We could kind of run our own little mini businesses and, um, you know, was given the opportunity, expressed interest in kind of leading teams as I had done before. Uh, and so they carved out a, a pretty sweet role as a player coach uh, where I could go sell and, and take down some big deals, but then also build up a team that could do the same. So that was, that was a ton of fun, really stretched myself because, you know, selling and leading teams is, if you're doing both at the same time, you, you start to reach limits fairly quickly uh, if you're having any kind of uh, success. So, um, you know, but, but did that for two, two to three years. Absolutely. So when you got into sales, Matt, what were some of the strategies that you've adopted in order to build your pipeline and get those prospects in there? Yeah, I think it's been, I mean, probably the number one thing I would say is like, have a passion for the game of selling and try to constantly get better. Cause like when I started, obviously I hadn't sold externally before. So I ended up getting to be fairly good at like, like kind of leveraging my engineering and like process background initially. And like when, whenever we would have a deal at like 30%, like I could see the path to get it to a hundred percent just, you know, ruthlessly methodically execute the path to get there. But it became apparent that like, because I didn't have that kind of early stage sales background, I, I had never like dialed for dollars. I had never really kind of done the, the email outreach and all that, that I still, I think is very important. Even as a sales leader, you still need to, to do that stuff. But like one of my, my mentors and leaders at, at Blue was like, Hey, you're great 30 to hundred percent, but you're not doing anything on zero to 30. Like you're not bringing stuff in. You're not, you're not getting creative. You're not, you know, in some cases, trying out a product uh, for for one of the companies you're trying to sell to. Uh, you're just kind of like playing it straight down the middle. So that was a great challenge, I think, um, you know, but but you have to be willing to kind of accept that feedback and say, yeah, I, I, I can be doing more, I should be doing more. Um, so I think, you know, what was interesting when I left Intel and joined Blue Wolf was um, realizing like you got to go get it. It's not going to come to you. And that's the biggest shift as you move into sales. Like every day you have to get up, you know, put your boots on and, and just get after it. And, and uh, if you do that, if you, if you can do it smart and spend your cycles in the right way, uh, you're going to have a lot of success. And I think as you kind of progress through uh, individual selling to managing small teams to, you know, leading large teams, it, that changes like what you're doing each day, but you still have to, have to bring it so in the case for me now it's it's more around like executive relationships and air cover for my team and you know sometimes just putting goodwill out there and not it's not, it has nothing to do with the deal it's more about i think we can help each other out and maybe this year and maybe two years from now and, and maybe three years from now but either way i'm going to get to know you i'm going to build a relationship and and we can see where that where that goes down the road absolutely Man, those long sales cycles. I was in enterprise sales myself, a couple of organizations, and uh, <laughs> those 12 to 24 month cycles, and you know, things could still go wrong at that process. You, it's kind of hard to get motivated sometimes. Yeah. And I think over time, you're going to have those, and they're going to go your way, and some won't. And uh, funny enough, we have a couple of RFPs out right now with my team, and they're going to be massive. And, uh, I hope we get both. I hope we at least get one, but we're going to find out next week. And, uh, you know, sometimes it leads to sleepless nights, but I think when you've done it enough, you know, you just got to keep enough out there, keep going for it. And uh, you're going to win more than your fair share.
Amen to that, man. How do you deal with underperforming reps or just having trouble staying motivated? Yeah, I think, you know, I've seen all different types of reps. So like, you know, eventually you start to realize like this reps a certain, certain way, this reps a certain way, this one's going to go kill it no matter what. This one's super capable and savvy and doesn't need a full team. Uh, others, you know, they're used to like large companies and with large support teams and, you know, can oftentimes just set up a meeting and, and uh, let the team take it, uh, you know, the way down the path. Um, in terms of like underperforming reps, I think it's, um, it's really important to kind of get to know them and to try to say, you know, what motivates them, um, try to, uh, you know, set the right goals to, you know, maybe break it down for them um, to give them a little extra support, uh, where they need it. Um, but then at the same time it's selling. So like, if you're not seeing the results, I mean, really there's kind of three main areas you got to be closing number one. So that's sort of obvious, but uh, some of, as you mentioned, Mike, like some of these deals take a, a long time They take a year, they take, you know, 18 months, uh, where I'm at right now, th there are a lot of those types of deals. Um, so if you're not actually closing, then are you building pipe? Are you out there? Do you have enough conversations out there to, to get pipeline into the system, to get deals progressing down the path? And so that's, if you're not closing, you gotta be building pipe. And then just, you know, engaging on, on a few meetings and you know, being willing to kind of shadow and you know, give them advice and tips and, and see if they're, if they're taking that to heart and actually um, you know, changing the way they're doing things. Probably the one biggest thing that drives me crazy is if they aren't following up, I guess two with two things, if they're not doing the prep upfront before a meeting and if they're not doing the follow up very quickly, like I have a rule, like within 24 hours, you have to have tight, consolidated, thoughtful follow up. I mean, cause really Absolutely. we're not having meetings for fun. We're trying to move the ball forward. And if, if you aren't on top of it and responsive, then you're just not going to see the results consistently long-term. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about customer objection handling. What are some of the ways that you deal with customers saying, you know, I don't want to do this. This is not a good time. My budget's off, et cetera. Yeah. I think you, you try to get as creative as possible. Like I, I'm a big fan of, of, um, you know, team selling and sort of, uh, meaning like, let's get all the smart people together. Um, like my CEO will get involved when needed. Uh, so, you know, should we play the executive card, uh, are, are the partners in the mix that we can go talk to and like try to learn some more information, uh, tactically, are we doing everything we can? Is there something creative we can do? Maybe a bite-sized nibble that they can, they can get started with. Um, I'm not a huge fan of free, to be honest. So, you know, free POCs and, and stuff like that. I mean, very rarely does that ever work out. Um, I think if you give stuff away, people don't really value it and, and put the right resources behind it. So even if it's like an nominal um, contract, you know, let's get them going. If they're a strategic customer, get super creative about how you can get them going. Uh, if anything, it, it, what it will also allow you to do is you can really test to see where they're at. You put a good, very compelling offer in front of them. If they're still not moving, then you know maybe give it three months to six months. Let it breathe and move on to the next. Um, but but each deal, if it's important to you, and and if we qualify and believe that it's something there, you should be kind of looking at triangulating across some, a number of different vectors. Absolutely. And do you uh, have a specific style that you and your team 
follow like Medic or Sandler, Challenger Sale? Do you guys adopt one of those or all of the above maybe? Yeah, I mean, I call it like the uh, the sales process stew, you know. Um, <laughs> okay. All of them and like, you know, you throw some good ingredients in the mix and usually it will work out. Um, we're, we're not like methodically following any particular one. Um, and there's one that uh, from Gigster I kind of liked, which was, you know, the banter process, you know, budget, authority, need, oh, yeah. timing, uh, engagement, um, and responsiveness. So, like, if you are getting all those, the only thing I think that's missing from that process and, and like, medic is just, like, the measurables, the metrics, right. where you can sort of, like, um, test and confirm that, yes, these are the, the measurables, these are the OKRs, whatever you want to call them that that individual decision maker is is following and then you try to match that with your solution or at least cover off on some of it but yeah i mean i think you know i've i've been through a lot of that training um so you know always sort of keeping in mind some of the key elements of like the banter but then i do love the the challenger sale where you're you know you kind of have to be willing to take a risk um sometimes you can play it straight but a lot of times you just have to kind of throw down the gauntlet and say Hey, we've done a lot here. We've done, you know, in some cases, multiple cycles, live demos. We've basically painted a picture of exactly what you need to do to, to make this a successful implementation. We've invested a lot. Like, it's time to, to make a decision here. Um, right. and, and that can be with the decision maker. That can be going above. Um, but, yeah, I mean, sometimes you just have to, have to throw it down. Absolutely, man. And tell us a little bit about a day in the life of a global head of sales. I mean, that sounds pretty intimidating. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's global, but I think uh, our latest plan number is like 70% us. So it's still, it's still heavy here. I mean, to be honest, um, it's, it's uh, kind of chasing down deals and kind of finding, you know, what, what uh, the latest steps are with the bigger ones. Uh, I try to get in front of customers as much as possible. So I'm, I'm making myself very available to the team. I'm pretty much traveling every other week to um, to go meet somebody. Uh, it's about to be conference season, uh, so um, I think I have like two next month and like three in March, and then I think our VP of marketing has us going, you know, at least two a month for uh, the foreseeable future. So it's we're still building this thing. You know, um, the the product I sell inside Rakuten is kind of a a smaller, more more um, innovative type product versus the classic Rakuten rewards. So we're still building this thing. We're still having to go out and evangelize. So some of what I do is that. Um, from a global perspective, we have a team in Japan. Rakuten's a Japanese company. So right. we're leveraging that, that huge uh, brand, that forward momentum. They have 100 million members within the Rakuten ecosystem somehow, some way. So they have actually the opposite problem. They are really big and people recognize them. So we can always get meetings. It's more about like, the, the market uh, having a need for the technology that we're selling. And we've built a couple of, of unique products just for Japan uh, because in the mobile world, especially as it relates to order ahead for restaurants or, or grocery or retail, right. they're further behind than the US. There's not a whole lot of mobile infrastructure over there. So we're able to take some very unique products and go sell them over there. And I'm spending a fair amount of time too, just bringing like enterprise sales discipline, um, you know, bringing some of that methodology over to Japan uh, and playing that where we can. It still is very important to, uh, for, for Japanese sales to, to build the relationships, to play the long game. 
Uh, fortunately, with Rakuten, we already have a lot of those. So it's, it's more about getting them the, the tools they need to go have the right conversations um, and then get some deals done, which we already have, which has been pretty exciting. Absolutely. Awesome. Man. Yeah. So global is basically U.S. and Japan right now and opportunistically in Europe. Uh, we have some good partners over there that are uh, helping us uh, with some business as well. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I would say I wake up every day and it's, it's uh, you know, how can I go back to that previous point about zero to 30%. You know, I have a whole long list of, of meetings I'm trying to set myself with the right executives to you know, at least get goodwill out there, if not put deals, uh, move deals forward. Right. Awesome, man. And let's say that someone were to come to you and say, hey, Matt, I want to get into hardware or software sales here in the Bay Area. What advice would you give him or her to prepare for that type of venture? Yeah. So hopefully they have at least some background in, uh, in selling. Um, you know, I, I think you, probably the first thing I would say is selling could be the easiest low paying job or the hardest high paying job. I mean, it really is, you get out what you put in. And so, you know, be willing to, to put the effort in. I mean, I have no problem nights and weekends. I'm always available. Um, you know, you got to turn it off at times, but I have no problem like waking up Saturday morning and getting organized on stuff and getting caught up and, you know, building an attack plan and figuring out how we can, you know, go, go tackle new markets. Um, so yeah, be willing to put in the work. Uh, it can seem, uh, especially if you're taking a look at the successes and you're hearing stories of people making seven figures and doing amazing things. Yeah, that's all very possible. But behind the scenes on a lot of those stories is like a lot of hard work and, oh, yeah. and many years of, of um, in some cases, some of those big deals, it's one account. You live and breathe that account. It's a huge roll of the dice and a huge gamble. And if it pays off, great. It's, it's going to be amazing. Um, so yeah, just be willing to put the hard work in and, uh, you know, it's, I would say most days are, 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 uh, an uphill climb. And then every now and then you, you know, you reach the mountaintop. Well, last question for you, man. I mean, what's next for Matt Thompson at this point, you're already global sales. You're already working for a very credible organization. Was it CRO entrepreneurship? Talk to me. Where do you want to go next? Yeah. I mean, it's a good, that's a good question. Um, I am always thinking about this type of stuff. Uh, I think it's super important to be self-aware of kind of like your skills and your desires and all that. Try to map out, I wouldn't say five years is too long, but map out the next couple of years. Um, I, you know, I don't want to totally say never, but I just don't think it's in the mix for me to ever start a company, um, to come up with that creative idea, to take a huge risk and go build something. I mean, maybe one day I'll, I'll, you know, lead more functions than just sales and, and, uh, and customer success. But I mean, for now, I love playing in this lane. I love, I love being aggressive and going and, and building teams and, and closing deals and winning. Uh, that's what gets me going. So I would say it's, you know, a lot of this type of stuff, just maybe bigger, maybe more, um, bigger teams, more products to sell, uh, that would keep things interesting. Um, I do get bored relatively quickly. So <laughs> as long as it's kind of new and fresh every couple of years, I'm happy as a clam. Awesome, man. Well, clearly you're doing something right, Matt. Appreciate you taking the time. Continue crushing it out there. And please don't forget to stay in touch, my friend. Yep. You got it, Mike. Thanks so Take much. Take care of yourself, bud. Okay. Bye. Thanks for joining. For more episodes, visit salespipepros.com.